All right, good morning. How are we doing? All the 90s kids are like, yeah. Where is my mind? That's going to be in your head all day, just so you know. It's been in my head all week. Uh, well, welcome to Press Church. My name is Sean Lee, and I'm lead pastor here. We're so glad to have you joining us. Uh, for those of you joining us online, uh, it's good to have you as well. Uh, before we get too far, I have a few things I want to jump into. First, as you walked in, you'll probably notice our uh, beautiful setup in the, the, the foyer lobby area. We've got Monster Mash coming back this year on October 30th, Sunday, October 30th. We're going to have Monster Mash. Uh, this is uh, an event that we put on for the community. Uh, it's, it's a way for us to just give back, to interact, to show that we care about you. And so we want you involved. We've got sign-up sheets out there, and we're collecting candy this month uh, to be used for that. So uh, there'll be more information. This is our first week talking about it. There'll be more information as the month goes on. But uh, if you're interested in helping, uh, let us know. You can always email us at info at but like I said, there's some signups. The other thing uh, I want to mention, and just to take some time just in prayer today for, is those affected by Hurricane Ian. Obviously, there's a lot of um, pain, suffering, just uh, very unfortunate things happening. I mean, it's, a, it's kind of incredible just to see the devastation uh, that's happened over the weekend. And so um, for those of you who have family in that area, for those of you who have <laughs> houses or <laughs> properties in that area, um, or just just know people. There, there's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of struggle going on right now. And so I just, as we open the service, just want to take a little time uh, to say a prayer. And I, I will let you know. Um, I haven't heard anything yet. I've talked with Pastor Jason about it. The uh, church planning network that we used, Converge, they have their headquarters in, in Orlando. Um, and the last we checked, they still didn't even have power. Is that right, Jason? Still didn't have power. So. Um, I don't know yet of, of ways that we can be involved or any sort of relief or some sort of help, but I will uh, we'll try to let you know as soon as we do have any information on ways that we can do that. But let's just open uh, our time in some prayer uh, today. God, I, um, I thank you that you are sovereign, that you are in control, and we can come to you and trust you, God, and you know uh, everything that's happening and the pain and the hurt and the suffering, the different things that have happened because uh, of this hurricane, Lord. And, and Lord, we just ask that you would... Um, that your peace would be with uh, the people there, that you would give uh, wisdom to those helping and working um, to, to clean up and to get electric back and to just um, get things back um, in order. And so, God, I pray that you would give us um, opportunity and insight into ways that we can help and, and be um, helpful this far away, God. But if nothing else, we give this to you, God. We know that you are in control. We ask that you would uh, just work and move in that situation. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, brand new series today. Where is my mind? Where is your mind? What is, where, where is your mind this morning? Is it on football? Is it on food? Is it on church, God? Like what's, houses, payments, money, thing? Like we, we name it, right? We have so many things uh, going on in our life. Um, and there's so much anxiety and fear that comes with that. Uh, I, you know, you can just be sitting on the couch and all of a sudden you think of one thing and then all of a sudden you get that, that knot in your stomach and in your gut and you're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get through that? What's, how's the, this going to get fixed? Uh, we're in a time where we have access to so many things. You know, we've got computers in our pockets now. We can, we've got information galore coming at us. Uh, we got all these people telling you how you should think and what you should do. And, and you can just sit here and you can be like, what, what's going on? And so we ask the question of this, where 
is my mind? Where is your mind in this? What, what are the things that you are focusing on in your day-to-day -day life? Um, and how can we trust God, really, more in what we're doing uh, in our life? So uh, this morning, I'm going to open up the car video. If you've been here before, you've seen our pastors. We get together, we hop in the car with a couple GoPros, and we start talking about the sermon for the day. So let's go ahead and jump into our video. Where's your mind? I suppose it should be on driving. But yeah, right. <laughs> I, you know, I'm only going like 35 miles an hour, so. Yeah. There you go. There's, the, my, there's the, uh, the. These are my hands and that's that the are not curve. on the steering wheel. <laughs> that's why you got knees. Exactly, right? Yes. So, yeah, where is my mind, right? I mean, when you put something forward like that, we have to ask the question, what is my mind on? A million different things. Yeah. We are looking for validation. Yeah. And we're looking for validation in the wrong place. That's essentially what this comes down to. Well, I was thinking about this. You know, I was watching I was watching football. And um, we've gotten to the point where our athletes are, I mean, they're, they push themselves physically so far. I mean, you see it even in high school and junior high. Now, like these kids who are, it's like they're pushing the envelope beyond anything we've we've pushed before. And it's like, to what, to what end? You know, it's like, uh, the things that we value now, it's like everything's to the extreme. How, how can we find the next level, the next it thing? And that, to me, like, that causes anxiety. Yeah, because you know there's I mean? never like, enough. There's right. never enough of anything, yeah. right, to fill that void. No. That's why when it comes down to achievements or success or, like, validation. Right. The hole is too big. The the uh, issues in our world, the the things that sin has introduced, are absolutely too big, and we're never going to fix it and solve it on our own. Yeah. And the fact that we think that we can, uh, and then we try, it creates right. all this anxiety. Right. And that may be too abstract for everybody to comprehend. I mean, it's yeah. it's hard to wrap your mind around, but. Why is it that we struggle so much with feeling secure? Mm. You know, we live in a modern society where you have so much at your fingertips and you're probably not going to starve, you know? Right. Well, that's the, I think that's part of the, you, you could say it's good and bad of our society is we have so much that we have the freedom and the time to think about things that we really shouldn't have to like right be making decisions or thinking about we think way more about what we don't have than what we do have <laughs> right yeah. um right. you know we just came out of a generosity series yeah. which is all about actually recognizing what you have what you actually have and when yeah. when and you're where not, it came from yes and when you're not living in a space of gratitude mm, yeah. then you're always thinking there's a deficiency yeah. there's yeah. a deficiency and it needs filled and yes. the world's saying that this is what matters right? right right and i don't have enough of this yes therefore i don't matter <laughs> so i think we have to ask where is the anxiety coming from yeah. where is this uh you know horrible tension and wrestling that's going on in our mind with the things of the world why isn't that pointed towards god why are we not more concerned about being obedient and pleasing unto God instead of being, uh, you know, pleasing to our bank accounts and our neighbors and our social media uh, yes. statuses. Our comfort. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we're afraid to ask that question, though, 
on a real level. Like, why? Why am I obsessed with this? Why am I passionate about this? Why? That that becomes that becomes a difficult question to answer. Yeah. Because I, we have to admit stuff. Yeah, I think it's a difficult question to answer, but I think a lot of us, we don't even think that way. Like, this is how life is. We just... Right. Yeah. I, and it's working so well. <laughs> How's that working but out? But it's like you? we can't it's like we can't help ourselves. Like we 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 just keep it going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We know deep down it's not working. Yeah. We know it's not working. But yet we kinda like it. We, exactly. <laughs> That's the Well if we didn't like it, we wouldn't stay with it. Right? Yeah. There there is this constant belief that we can be in control we can have enough knowledge and we can have enough of anything that's going to fix it yeah and we know in our souls that something needs fixed yeah you know that's that's the thing like it points to god and our 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 lack of that relational connection that we were designed to have we know something needs fixed and we try to fix it with all of these other things, and right. it's never going to happen. Right. You don't resolve it by denying it, or you know, you resolve it by acknowledging it and embracing it and leaning into it, and then lamenting it. Yes. And that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but but we don't like doing that. No. <laughs> we just want to move on because we want to be happy and comfortable. Give me the next hit, whatever yeah. the next feeling is, right. whatever the next distraction is. Give it to me because yeah. I can't face right. the reality. Yeah. It would overwhelm me. Yes. Is what we think. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and so we, we're afraid to ask the question, where is my mind? Because then we have to deal with the answer. Yeah. I think if you talk to most people, uh, when you ask them how things are going, like everyone's like, I need a break. You ever hear that? I just need a break. We're all looking for that next vacation, that time just to get away. To, like, we, we feel overwhelmed. We feel overwhelmed with, with keeping up to the day-to-day -day, uh, life. I found an article um, this week that says that um, on a given day, we make 35,000 decisions. It says 226 are on food alone. <laughs> now, whether this is accurate or not, uh, who knows? You know, the internet's always right. Uh, but uh, I, I think it gives a little insight into our exhaustion. I mean, even if you cut that in half, it's still a lot of decisions to be made. Still a lot of things being processed in our head. And, and it was like we wonder why we're so tired. I remember, this has probably been a few months ago, I, in one of the messages I was talking about the amount of information that we take in. That if you think about all the sources of information now, you've got all the social media, you got, I mean, anything on the internet, right? You've got news outlets that are constantly putting out information. You've got the TV, you've got, and, and our minds are having to process all of this. Like, we have to process through all this. And it's like, we wonder why we are, we are so, we're so tired. And, and so that's why, you know, part of this series, asking the question, where is my mind? What is going on? What is my focus? So in the service today, we're going to be asking the question, where is my mind when I'm not sure how God will come through? Where is my mind when I'm not sure how God will come through? think it's too hard uh, for us to think of times uh, where you've asked this question. You know, God, how, how are you going to come through? How, how are you going to fix this? What are you going to do about this? I don't like this. This doesn't feel good. I don't like where I am. What are you doing, God? How are you going to make uh, this work? And I think if we're, if we're honest, 
and maybe it's just me, but if we're honest, a lot of times we ask that question after we have done a lot of things to try to fix it ourselves already. Usually it's I, I've tried things, I'm doing these things, uh, and after we see that we're not really in control, it's, uh, okay, God, what are you doing about this? And, and that's the thing. Like we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to fix, a lot of pressure on ourselves to do, and then we go through this thing of, well, if it works out, then I take the credit. If it doesn't work out, I must not be a good Christian or I must not be a good person. And, and then we just go through these cycles of we're still not feeling the way we want to feel. And so we push into that. Where's our minds in that process? <laughs> Where's your mind in the process of trying to control things yourself and do things in your own power? At the end of chapter 11 in the book of Genesis, we're introduced to a couple by the name of Abraham and Sarah. Now, they're not introduced as Abraham and Sarah. They're introduced as Abram and Sarai. Uh, but for the sake of consistency, we'll stick with Abraham and Sarah because later on in the story, God changes their name to Abraham and Sarah. Uh, but the one thing I want to point out is the first thing that we see with Abraham after being introduced at the end of chapter 11. In chapter 12, the first thing we see is God promising to make him into a great nation. Uh, let's read that. It's in chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The Bible says that Abraham was about 75 years old when this happened. Can you imagine? Those of us near 75 are like, I've already lived a lot of life, and now I'm not. So he's, he's called to do this. And, and he sets out, as God instructs. Right after this verse, it says he, get, he gets up the next morning, he, he gathers his things, and he goes. And, and the cool thing about this story is as you read through Genesis and you read through the story, um, you see God continuing to re restate this promise. You, you see God reinforcing this promise to, to Abraham as he goes. And, you know, we're talking about our, our minds here. It's in chapter 15 where we start to get a little peek into what Abraham, what's going on in the mind of Abraham. So in chapter 15, we see this. This is verses 2 through 6. It says, Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So up until this point, Sarah had been barren. They had no kids. And here God comes and says, I'm going to make you your father of many nations and all this. And, and so you start seeing the mind of Ab Abraham starting to go a little bit like, well, in order to have all these descendants, I kind of need to have kids. And I'm like 75, 80 years old at this point, and my wife's not any younger. Uh, what's, what's going on? And, and you, see, you, know, you see him start to kind of question that. What, how, how is this going to happen? This, this promise doesn't seem to be 
to be adding up. You know, in the beginning of the story, we see Abraham, he's just, he just follows what God says. God said to go, he went. He's, he's, he's obeying. He's just going. And as time goes on, and I think this is similar to us, as time goes on, we feel like there's some things that God has told us or God has promised us, and yet we may not be seeing those things. And what happens when that time passes? We start thinking. We start pondering, what did I, did I hear right? Is, is God really going to come through? Is this really the case? And so we see Abraham thinking, about, like, how, how, is this, how is this going to happen? How is this promise going to be true? And if we fast forward uh, to the next chapter, we get to see a little bit how this is impacting his wife, Sarah. In Genesis 16, verses, and starting in verse 1, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar, so she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Where is their mind? Where's their mind in this? This promise that we're supposed to have isn't happening. I'm not getting any younger. We need to manufacture a way to make this work. We need to do something about this. And what's crazy to me is even asking where Abraham's mind is. So like Sarai makes, okay, she's like, I'm barren, I'm getting old. But Abraham's like, man, you, you, you literally had a conversation with God. Like, and I don't know how much time has elapsed between this and this. You know, there's only one chapter there, but it doesn't say how much time had elapsed. But it seems crazy to us, right? Oh, God, God promised us something, and then you're like, hey, by the way, go sleep with my slave so we can make this happen on our own and figure something out. It's like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. What, what could go wrong? <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds great. I, I, I do want to pause here for a second. Uh, stories like this are, can be really hard to connect with. Because I don't know about you, but I've, I've like never had a conversation like that with God. Like where I like verbally asked him something and he's like, oh, by the way, no, I am going to, like hearing his voice and I, I, I haven't had that before. I don't have a barren wife. I don't have a promise to, to have all these people be, be my ancestors. You know, he's like, it's like, I, I, I don't have these promises. And so I think, you know, we can, we can look at these stories and feel disconnected because of just how out there, I mean, this story feels out there. Like, this is a crazy story, telling, you know, God telling you to leave your family, your, your home, your country, your land. I will show you where to go. Like, having a child at 80, 90 years old, and like, <laughs> that's, that's kind of crazy. So, th there, there is there is that, that tension where we're not really living that sort of life, but at the same time, we each have dealt with, with issues or problems in our life where we've had to trust God. We've all been at a point where, where things aren't the way we want them to be. Things don't look the way we thought they would look in the time that we thought they would happen. And 
And so I, I think that there's principles in here and there's things that we can see in the way that, that he thought and the way that he acted that we can learn from. Because we can see the struggle here. This, this man of faith, you know, Scripture says is a man of faith, man of righteousness, and, and he's struggling. He talked with God, and even he is, is struggling with how is this going to happen? How is this going to be okay? And, and I, think that's, I think that's relatable. We struggle with the same things that Abraham struggled with on a different level. And that's that we try to make ourselves like God. We try to be in control. We try to handle it. We try to make ends meet. And really, you can think of it this way. This is one of my points, is that we try to manufacture peace. We try to manufacture peace. I want to be at peace. I want to be happy. I want things to be good. And so what we do is we control to try to do things. It, you know, Sarah comes to him, hey, by the way, we're not having any kids. Why don't we do this? And Abraham's like, okay, let's do that. Like, they're trying to manufacture the promise on their own. This doesn't look or feel like I think it should, and so I'm going to do something about it. And in doing this, in us doing this, what we do is we clutter our lives with decisions that we think we have to make. In trying to manufacture this peace, in trying to be in control, we take on choices that clutter our minds. With things that clutter our minds. I asked the question earlier, where's my mind when I'm not sure how God will come through? Our mind is usually on figuring out how I can fix it. And it just adds to the clutter of choices that I feel like I have to make. I have to fix it. How do I fix this? And then we go into this anxious spin of finding all these ways that I can make it happen and I can do it. I and I and me. And we wonder why we're so tense. We wonder why we're so anxious because we're taking on something that we weren't designed to fix. We're taking on things that we were not designed to handle. And God's asking, how are you trusting me? And I think it begs the question too, how can I trust God more and cut back on those choices that I think I need to make? What are the choices in your life right now that you're putting so much weight on that you think you need to fix that you can let go of? Maybe in that, you start feeling a sigh of relief. Like, man, that isn't mine to fix. That isn't my issue that I have to solve. I can trust that, that God is working in this and that I don't have to. I said before, as, as you read about Abraham, you'll see that he was a man of great faith. And one of the biggest reasons for this is because of what happens later in his life. If you know the story, uh, they eventually uh, have a child. They have a son named Isaac. Sarah gives birth at, at a very old age. And, and it's, it's great. The promise is fulfilled. He sees a son. But this is where things get interesting. It's in Genesis chapter 22. It says this, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. 
He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. I think one of the craziest things about this section of scripture, and it's similar to earlier when when God had called him to leave his region, the verse right after this says he gets up and he goes. No pushback, no questioning. Just gets on his donkey, gets a couple people with them, heads out. I... I almost got emotional reading it this time, having a son myself, thinking about, man, what, what would I do? There's no way. There's no way. My mind would not be in a good place, right? Just alone, like this story. I mean, I know there's people who they'll use this me like, oh, the, the Bible's terrible and horrible. They'll use this, this story. It's messed up, right? It feels very messed up. Now, spoiler, if you haven't read the story, he doesn't kill Isaac. But he literally gets to the point where he binds him up and he's ready to sacrifice him. And an angel comes down and says, stop, do not harm him, do not touch him, do not... It seems like a cruel way to test somebody's faith. <laughs> and, and now we're thinking, how is this story supposed to help my mind? Right? This just feels messed up. It feels dark. It feels icky. Like, what do you do with this story? Like, is God just, are we just like his little toys that he tinkers with? And, oh, we'll see if he has faith. Hey, go kill your son. No big deal. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's a little crazy. But there, there is something to be seen in this. In the book uh, Fear and Trembling by Soren Kierkegaard, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Kierkegaard, he, he works through the story of Abraham being called to sacrifice Isaac. And he breaks it down uh, to saying that we have, we tend to make choices or decisions in, in, in a couple different ways. The first way that we tend to make decisions is one in self-fulfillment. We tend to make a decision based on self-fulfillment. So we're working through things. How, how do we choose what we do? It's one way is through self-fulfillment. And in this, I mean, obviously in the Abraham story, there's no way that self-fulfillment is a part of his decision-making process. As, as, a, as a parent, there's, there's no way that that would be something that you would actively do in taking your son to be sacrificed. The, the other choice would be uh, cultural ethics. We make decisions based on culturally what is right. And in this, you can see him, him doing that is not culturally right. Like that, I think most people would say, yeah, killing somebody is not a good thing, right? <laughs> that's, that's not good. But in his book, he breaks down, he said there's a, there's a third option. And that third option is obedience to God. Abraham had gotten to a point 
where his trust and faith in God trumped the, the personal self-fulfillment. It, it trumped the, the cultural grid of what is right and what is wrong. And he, and, he, and he trusted in what God was doing. This is next level to me. Next level, like, it, it, again, like I said, it's, it's almost like I can't, even, I can't even put myself in that scenario. Because on the surface, it seems messed up. Like, like I said, if, if we're honest, it seems messed up. Yet at the same time, what's kind of beautiful about this, this, this story is, is we get an image of, of Jesus. God sending his only son to be sacrificed for us. Hmm. Man. It's like we get a little picture of what's to come here. And all of a sudden you're like, oh wow, this is way bigger than anything that I can think or imagine. And this is where to me, I, when I talk with people a lot, when I talk about scripture, scripture humbles me. Scripture shows me what I don't know. Scripture shows me how little I know. Because it shows me a God that is bigger and broader and greater than anything that I can imagine. It's beyond my comprehension. And it's, it's almost scary sometimes. Because <laughs> we want to know. We want to be in control. And yet we're, we, we see things like this where it's like, God, you are doing something bigger than I can know and understand. And here we are in our little toy box, our little sandbox, thinking we're in control with our little pieces. And God's up there looking at us and, you know, <laughs> rubbing our heads. Oh, cute kid, you're trying. <laughs> daddy, daddy, look at this. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm making. I think we miss how big God is. I think we miss just how much he's in control. We miss what he's doing because we only see little images and pieces of it. We can't see the whole picture sometimes. And we see Abraham going and trusting in that story, trusting in what God is calling him to do, the point of binding his child, his only son that was a promise to him for years. It's unbelievable. But in a way, it makes me think about the decisions that I have to make in my life. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to make that one, right? So in decisions that we're making, how can we trust God in those decisions? How can we trust that he's good even though it's uncomfortable? That he's working even though I don't see the end? Or it might take me through something uncomfortable? That's the thing. Not every path that God puts you on is one that is just easy and neat and nice. In C.S. Lewis, Lewis's book, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, there's a, there's a, a really cool uh, dialogue between Mr. Beaver and Susan. And I've got it up here. It says this, Aslan is a lion. The lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall 
feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Do you trust that God is good? Do you trust that even when life is uncomfortable, that he's good and he's working? In the daily struggle, can I look to him? Can I trust him? Can I let go of choices that I think that I have to make? So in our decisions this week, in our life this week, ask yourself the question, where is my mind? Where is my mind in the decisions I make? Where is my mind in the processing of everything that's going on? Where is my mind? Where is God in it? What is he doing? I'm gonna close with a verse that we shared last Sunday. It's Colossians 3, one through three. It says this, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. May we trust that verse. May we lean into that verse this month as we work through, where is my mind? Let's pray. God, we acknowledge and admit our lack of knowledge and understanding, our limited understanding we proclaim that you are sovereign, that you are greater than anything that we can comprehend, and that you are good. That you are good. No matter what you are doing, no matter where you are taking us, God, I pray that we can trust in you and your process, and that we can set our minds on things above. That we will not be so worried about what I can do, what I can control, and how I can do it, God, but we would slowly learn to let go and trust you in the process. And our hope, God, is that as we do that, that these decisions that we think we have to make and these things that make us anxious and feel overwhelmed, God, that we can let go of those things. Trust you. Trust that you're good. Trust that you are working and that your spirit is guiding and leading us. We ask that. We ask that you would continue to do that. We thank you for this time, Lord. Continue to renew our minds to be more in tune with you, God, and your spirit leading God. As we love you, it's your name we pray. Amen. I'm asking you to stand and join us as we continue worship. Crowned with thorns, is crowned with glory.